up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk. And you're listening to Locker Room Hype with your boy, James Fairchild, and my buddy, Aaron Pena. What's up? What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing today? Locker Room Hype is going to be the sports section of our brand. And each and every week, we're going to be bringing you current events in sports, current news, and things that you need to be informed on, as, as well as topics that we think are credible to listen to. So I'm going to kick it over to Aaron. We're going to get right in it. All right, all right. The first big hype today uh, is the Little League World Series. Uh, today it has been canceled. Uh, pretty, That's a pretty big shock. I mean, I know ever since I got into baseball, I've been watching the Little League World Series forever. I mean, it's one of the biggest events in August, you know, that you get to see these kids perform on the higher stage. And, man, it's enjoyable to see these kids and how competitive they are, but how much fun they're having with with the game. And, they, you know, it's not all about, you know, it's cool to see them, you know, raise that banner and everything, see them smiling. But, man, they get to experience something so, so magnificent and – uh, it's it's, it's it kind of breaks my heart to see that these kids are not going to be able to play it this Definitely. year. Uh, you know, just a little history behind the Little League World Series. It started back in 1947. Wow. I mean, that's I mean, for this, you know, what's going on with the with the, the virus and everything, and you know, it, it's really it's it sucks that it has to be done this way. Um, it, it, yeah, it sucks because for the kids, most yes. of all. It breaks it breaks my heart that these kids can't live that dream because they're usually on teams with some older kids who maybe last year they you know went on to the Little League World Series and won it all and they want to do the same. So it does it is unfortunate. It sucks. Um, they did say that the Little League World Series will return in two, 2021. Uh, Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association have also committed to coming back to Williams Sport for the next MLB uh, Little League Classic in August of 2021 as well. Which that's something also, you know, I like whenever the MLB decided to do that, to play a game in Williamsport. That's that's really big for the kids to see that, uh, to see how the game is really played by the professionals. And, man, you know, even to get to talk to some of their probably heroes of not the players that they admire – on the field, that's you know that's a big thing for uh, for a kid. You know, I know for me, whenever I was younger, I got to meet the 1996 World Champion, the New York Yankees. Wow, uh, when I that was, was exciting. We, uh, when we were in Kansas City, it was really really cool. We got to meet Derek Jeter. I mean, that's really that's the biggest name. I mean, Paul O'Neill, all those guys. I mean, they were just sitting there hanging out, shaking our hands. It was probably the coolest, coolest experience I've ever had in my life, and I will never forget that. Um, like I said, it's it's one of those things that those these kids, like I said, they're just they're gonna lose that uh, that enjoyment and the memories they're gonna have for themselves, and then also the families too. I know many parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. I know that they put a lot of time in uh, into baseball because of how much enjoyment it is for the family and for the the young kid that's playing too. So, right. It's, 
it's just wild, you know. The Little League continued to recommend also that local Little Leagues follow their individual state and community guidelines. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and if they wanted to resume after May 11th, uh, they would have to confirm with health officials to make sure it's safe to do so. So I, I'm glad that they're taking the necessary safe precautions for this, but it is unfortunate for everybody, especially if you're a parent and you have a child that's, that's playing to qualify. They've canceled over, I think it was 82 regional tournaments, part of you know Little League World Series that we all love every year. We love to watch it. It's very entertaining. Even though they're just kids, it's, it's awesome to watch. Absolutely. Now, just to kind of go back from talking about from Little League, now we're going to actually go back into the big leagues, MLB, MLB and talking also about what's going to be going on. There have been rumors and talks about having a 10-team division, it's three of them, mm-hmm. and uh, what they're going to do with these teams. I mean, they're going to play out, this, you know, play as many games as they can, and then try to have, you know, again, another wild card and then the playoff system and a World Series champ at the end. One of the big talks yesterday, too, was they were also thinking about canceling the minor league baseball. I know here in Amarillo, we got last year, we we were blessed to get a minor league, a double A minor league team. The Sod Poodles. The Sod Poodles. And it was something that they, it was awesome. We got to experience a team that won. The championship last year. Right. And that's yeah. that's unprecedented for first year team affiliated with, you know, MLB team to win it all the very first year. Absolutely. It's exciting for our city. You know, when we went to games last year, it, it felt like we weren't even in Amarillo. It felt like we were in, you know, Dallas or Absolutely. San Antonio. And, the, and what they did with the stadium, they did a great job of building the stadium. They did. It's very nice. And especially here in Amarillo, the nights are nice and cool. And That's so right. it wasn't, we weren't sitting in a hundred degree weather. Humid, heat, he, yes, sticky was, and uncomfortable. It was nice. It, it was, was very really nice. Was. And I think the players really liked it. I think they understood that Amarillo, was, we were behind them. I think the, a lot of the players felt like, man, they were at home. I know talking to a couple of players while at the games and they were like, yeah, we like Amarillo. Just how friendly y'all are and how home home welcoming y'all are. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a cool thing to have, you know, we're going to support them no matter what, especially through this time, but we don't want to see those players, you know, not having a season. Right. Because they're, I mean, these players, I, I mean, I can't wait to see them playing in the big stadiums and, and doing big for the, you know, for themselves, but also for their families. So their contracts will still get payment equal to the allowances that they would have been paid through April 8th. Players who are not on 40 man roster who are already receiving major league allowances are not eligible for the plan. They are getting compensated. Players who are currently receiving housing, food, and other services from the clubs and players who are not participating in uh, minor league spring training are also excluded. So I hope they, what they do with the major, you know, or at least the minor league is that they'll, they'll find a way to at least get some of these teams back on the road and playing around. I know right now they talked about some of these some of these small affiliated cities, where the, they're they're struggling. They're struggling. Even talking right, about right. shutting down. I know one that I saw. I think it was Chattanooga. They're talking about shutting down the whole process. I mean, they're even having to lose their team. I mean, I know that's really that's a heartbreak. I mean, that's something that you don't want to see a whole city losing a team because of this. I mean, it's hopefully that you know that 
the town or the city of Chattanooga will get behind their team, their affiliated team, and maybe help push push them through this time and hopefully keep them around. So it's interesting to note that minor league players from Class A to Triple A they make a roughly around five hundred dollars a week for the course of a season. Exactly, they don't make much at all. Right. And you know, whatever money they make, that's pretty much sent back to their families. So I mean, they really depend on affiliated teams to, to support them throughout the season and also, you know, people around them. So, which is good, you know, that, that talks really good about America and how they, we get behind them and take care of baseball players and anybody that's, you know, going through a hard time. Right. And, you know, they've, they've taken some steps. The MLB has the first of April. They, they wanted to be optimistic and to discuss a plan to play all the games or at least all the games to start the season until, the state home orders were lifted. Um, they were planning on doing that primarily in the Phoenix area. They considered, you know, using spring practice facilities and Florida for regular season games. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know if you want to play a game in 110 degree weather. I mean, that that is a uh, that's very very hot. <laughs> exactly, blistering. I, I know I've been to some heat. Ranger games where I still think we went to the game that it set the record for the hottest game ever to be played in the MLB. Oh, yeah. Two years ago, 4th of July, we went to a Rangers and Astros game in Dallas. It was miserable until about the sixth inning, you know. We were just sitting melting in the heat, and that sun was just beaming on us. But it was it was a great game, which made up for, the, you know, being uncomfortable. But I, I'm I'm really excited, though, about the new stadium that they're oh, yeah, that the, they're building there in uh, that Arlington. Stadium, that stadium, it is beautiful. It is a beautiful stadium. Just sad that nothing's been played there. So hopefully whatever the MLB decides to do, you know, hopefully they'll be able to come back. You know, I know there might not be fans there or anything, but – these guys, like I said, they want to go out, play some ball. You know, even if it's on TV, that's a you know that's a good thing. You know, just to you know to put it on TV so these people can see a little bit of something, see some hope. You want to see sports. Sports is enjoyable. It's fun, and this is something that you know can really start getting back to normal. Yeah, I think it could really mend all of the disdain that we've endured over the past few months because of this virus once sports do remain again i think it's going to bring a lot of people together and it's going to kind of be our healing process moving forward you know as we approach hopefully uh nfl season a college football season in the fall hopefully maybe the mlb will come back sometime this summer which i'm i'm optimistic but i'm also a realist and i think that it's probably unlikely that that's going to happen anticipating a resurgence at some point, whether it be late summer, early fall. I have my hopes, but, you know, they could get crushed pretty easily. Absolutely. I mean, that's where you got to stay realistic because major league players, they still have a family that they got to provide and support, and they can't go out there and just, you know, get sick. I mean, that's something that can really affect them in the long run and their families. So, I mean, they also got to think about their protection and going out there. So even if they, you know, cancel it or anything, I mean, I know it's all for the the right reasons. And hopefully, like I said, they they stay safe and then just can continue being ready for next year. Another hype, NASCAR is going to begin back in May. That's right. I tell you what, man, I can't wait to see those cars rev their engines again. 
Hey, that's exciting for everybody because you know what? We'll take what we can get. And if we're not NASCAR fans, hey, we'll get to know what it's all about. We'll sit in front of the TV and learn about the racers, learn about the cars and follow it as closely as we can because we don't have much else and no disrespect to NASCAR. You know, it's very popular out there. And hey, you know, they're talking about May 17th, first race there in South Carolina. They're going to run seven races in an 11-day span. I don't know about you. If you're a NASCAR fan, that's that's pretty cool. Like, that is cool. I mean, I don't know. Like James said, I don't know a lot about NASCAR, but seven races in 11 days, I mean, that's a lot of racing, and I think that's going to be great for these NASCAR fans. Right. Because th- here's the thing. They're not going to be able to go to the games. Right. They're not going to be able to attend the, the races, but, you know, at least they'll be able to watch. Exactly. And that's a good thing because – NASCAR, I mean, yes, you want to be there. You want to hear the engines rev. You want to get the the intensity of the crowd. That's great, but can't do that right now. Right. So, but at least it's on TV. You know, we're watching them turn left, which is okay. That's all they do. But it is a cool, cool thing to see that they're making an effort to try to get something, get something back on air. It's exciting. You know, I went to one NASCAR race in my entire life. And it was in 2008 at Texas Motor Speedway down there by Dallas. And it was exciting. I I loved the atmosphere, the environment of the fans and how many people I didn't realize actually attend those races and they camp out, they have their RVs, they have their mobile homes. And there's over a hundred thousand people just outside of the uh, racetrack and in inside the middle of the racetrack, I've heard preparing I, to party and just I, have I've, a good time. I've heard that the Texas Motor Speedway sits a hundred thousand sits. Yes. Then on top of that, what's outside of the stadium? There's about a hundred and fifty thousand more. That's two about two hundred and fifty thousand people in that area. That's bigger than Amarillo. That's bigger than Lubbock. Man, that I mean, you're talking that many people. For a function like that, that, that is really – I've never been, but, man, I, I want to go. Oh, you, you need to go at least once in your lifetime because it's it's an experience you don't forget. You know, you you step into another world when you go to one of those races. The, the culture is extremely fanatic. They know their racers. They know what to expect. Surprisingly, they really invest their lives into NASCAR every – small piece of their internal being is is nascar related it does have a huge following and i was really impressed when i went 2008 it was it was pretty cool all right enough about nascar we're going to make a transition into some new hype some hype we know all about and that's college football that's right that's right we we're going to talk a little bit about the big 12 today uh, kind of talk to you, kind of give you a recap of what happened last season. I know a couple of the teams actually got to start a spring practice. Uh, the last people that got to start it was Texas. <laughs> they, start, they they never got to start because they were start they were going to start after spring break. But the rest of the Big Twelve was already on their way, getting better and getting ready for the next season. Very bummed out that we didn't have spring football this year. It sucks quite a bit because I was looking forward to seeing some players that are unproven kind of get out there and see what they can do. Particularly, you know, I'm a big Oklahoma fan, so I wanted to see Spencer Rattler get out there. I know the spring game isn't isn't that intense, but we do get a fresh look at everybody. 
it's kind of like a pre-look into what to expect in the fall. Me and my family went last year to the spring game, and I felt like we got some pretty good insight to what was going to go down in the fall. I think with spring football too, I mean, I agree with you. But also one of the things about spring football is that really, really they need it so they can start relying on getting the recruits, getting them to come out to the practices, coming out to come see the little spring games or whatever they have set up, get them involved as quick as possible. I mean, that is something that these colleges, I mean, yes, they're still getting these high recruits and everything, but like I said, you can be a four star, five star, which is great, but you got to remember those other stars or no stars. Those are some of the the eye openers that you, 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 you want around. Right. And those are the ones that are going to get the reps in spring ball. Those, those two and three stars, four stars, they're going to get out there and we're going to get a really good picture of what they can do. You know, it's not real game speed in the spring ball, let's just be honest. But you get to see who's going to emerge as a backup or who's going to emerge as maybe a number one because some of these two and three stars, they're hungry. You know, they they don't get the same notoriety and and respect and exposure as some of the five stars get. You know, five stars are pretty rare, but they have their place too, you know? Yes, and also the walk-ons, the ones that have, that have stuck around and they're waiting for their opportunity to get out there to get a scholarship. I mean, I know a lot of them are depending on getting that scholarship, you know, financially to help them out, set some costs with tuition and books and especially housing. I mean, these college football players, I mean, it's a, it's an all day job. So they can't go get a regular job or anything. Right. Right. So I mean, I know their families are probably doing the best they can to support them, but they really weigh heavily on that scholarship to really help cut some costs, but they are weighing, they weigh a lot on the scholarships. So they know that they feel have a definite place on their team. Right. Scholarships are very important. You know, it's a big part of building your program and strengthening your program in the way that you want. Those recruits are vital to the success that you're going to have in the future and the spring ball, not, not existing this, this spring in 2020, I think can have an effect on some programs moving forward. However, you know, it's been roughly seven weeks since on-campus athletic activities were halted nationwide. And I, th- I think it's very interesting to note um, the college football transfer portal is continuing to uh, remain in operation. Most recently, a headline that I noticed out there was the USC quarterback JT Daniels' decision to pursue other options was announced by Clay Helton a few days ago. So I thought that was interesting. And with my Sooners, we had a Trey Sermon transfer to Ohio State, and he was a legitimate, you know, running back by committee, quote, uh, unquote, a number 1A or 1B type of running back. And he, he got a bulk of the carries a couple years ago and even three years ago. But last year is kind of overshadowed and carries taken away by Jalen Hurt. I was sad to see him go. But, you know, these kids, I think that they have a right to choose where they want to go if they're not happy or if they're not satisfied. I know that a lot of coaches discourage it, like Lincoln Riley. He's not a big fan of it, but I just feel like they have that right because coaches have that right too. Coaches can get up and leave in the middle of the night and say, peace, deuces. Exactly, they can. So I just feel like equal equal rights is, is what should be established across the board. I also noticed Jabril Cox was another player that is transferring. 
that was that was shocking to me. And transferring from North Dakota State to LSU, he was on a national championship team, and he committed to the Tigers in early April after piling up like a ton of awards. And he led the North Dakota State Bison to a national title, which I mentioned in three each of his three seasons in Fargo. So those are just some big names that I noticed were you know in the portal right now because that has continued to remain in operation which doesn't surprise me, but, and I'm interested to see what happens moving forward with the whole transfer thing. Let's go ahead and get into recapping this last big 12 season and preparing, hopefully preparing for a 2020 season, if not a 2021 spring season. Right. So, I mean, any kind of, any college football would be great right now. We're going to recap a little bit about each team. We're not going to go a whole lot in depth with it. We're going to just talk about some major changes, you know, but they're, they're one of the top conferences in the nation. Yeah. And despite the the SEC narrative that we're high and mighty, but there's still quality conferences that are out there that are competing at a high level that are emerging to be one of those top conferences and I think the Big 12 could be on their way to the top I know behind the SEC we put the Big 10 absolutely the Big Big 10 Big 10 always they always you know you got Ohio State always always a powerhouse right and then third uh we we should put the Big 12 third in the power five conference rankings and then following the Big 12 I would I would say the the ACC and then the Pac-12 ACC, you know, that's debatable. ACC and Pac-12 are debatable. You know, I know everybody's like, well, we got Clemson, their national champion. Yeah. Who do they play? Exactly. They don't play anybody really at all. And I, 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 whenever, if they sat there and they had, if Clemson got up on the main stage and played like Michigan, Ohio State, you know, uh, LSU or somebody in a non-conference game at the beginning of the year, could be upset city, you I know. Could, I, I could give them a little and, bit more respect. Right. And the, and the reason I, I, I put ACC over the Pac-12 is because of how Clemson has performed on the highest stages. Yeah. They, they performed well. They've won national titles. You know, the rest of the conference is pretty crappy, let's be honest. But you can't – I feel like you can't rank a conference ahead of another that has a national championship caliber team that wins and is there in the conversation in the playoffs year in and year out they just deserve that that place I mean until someone knocks them off I feel like they're they're right there I mean Oklahoma with the Big 12 you know have been there three of the last four years and won the Big 12 five years in a row they've really carried the conference and solidified the Big 12 as the third ranked overall power five conference but just you know, little, we just couldn't, we can't get the job done. I mean, as far as recruiting with, you know, compared to other conferences, the SEC, even the Big Ten, we, we just, we just aren't there yet. But I think that we're, we're creeping closer and closer, taking those tiny steps forward to compete at the level that those conferences are. And just a little note, Big 12 returned six bowl teams and five that finished with at least eight victories. I mean, that says a lot for a conference. Exactly. I mean, that is a winning conference right there. Six bowl teams. We didn't do so well in the bowl season. However, exactly. we're one in six uh, overall. But with Oklahoma being there, competing for playoff spot and earning a playoff spot, 
and winning winning eleven plus games, twelve games is is difficult, guys. I mean, it's it's not easy to do. And Even, if you watch the Big Twelve title game, that was all the way to the end. It was. And if it weren't, if it wasn't for that miraculous comeback in Waco between you know between OU and Baylor, and OU ended up pulling it out, I, you know Baylor could have been the representative of the Big Twelve in the college football playoff. And I think they would have – I don't know if they would have fared much better than Oklahoma, but they're a quality program as well. Exactly. And as much as I always talk down on Texas football, the Longhorns, I, in a way, res- respect that Texas football, the Longhorn football, has to get back on the map this coming season. They, had a, re- they had a really good start, and then after that, they just went downhill. You're and, right, man. And it's something yeah. that I don't get because te- if Texas football is doing good, the whole state of Texas of football is going to do great. And that's something that we got to start pushing. Right. And uh, I know of me being a Red Raider fan, you know, I know that we've struggled trying to beat Texas here and there, but when Texas is a high-caliber team, these other Texas teams and these other Big 12 teams – want to play their best against them and put it all out there. I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't like to see Texas good, but it, it does help Oklahoma. It helps the Big 12. The rivalry between OU and Texas is so much better when Texas is good. This past year, I went to the Red River Showdown down there in Dallas. That was my very first one, and I had season tickets throughout the year. I was so impressed with the environment the overall atmosphere of the game, you know, and it wouldn't have been that rabid because in, in years past when Texas hasn't been as good, it, you know, the Oklahoma fans bleed over into the Texas section and it isn't as exciting because Texas isn't as good. Well, this year they were ranked number 11 going into that game. Texas was, so it made the game a lot more exciting. <clears throat> and when, like you said, when Texas is good, it does it does make the Big Twelve a better place. I, I noticed Texas is the highest profitable program in the Big Twelve. You know, they in two thousand eighteen they they revenued over one hundred twelve million dollars, and the next highest program was Michigan, down at seventy four million dollars. So you know they have the capacity to be elite. They haven't done a good job of developing players over the years which is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. But they do deserve to they do need to step it up so our conference is stronger because we do need them to be better. And I think next year, transitioning into who we think the contenders are next year, I think you can't you can't deny Oklahoma. And I don't want to sound biased when I say that, but they've won 5 Big 12 championships in a row and they're on a quest for number 6. You know, until someone knocks them off, I feel like they're they're at the top, you know. They they deserve to be the preseason favorite. However, I do think Texas is going to have a good team this year. I think with Sam Ellinger coming back, Keontae Ingram, they've got to, you know, keep some players healthy to remain as a contender. I think that's what really kept them held back last year was the injury bug. It hit them pretty hard. I just think OU Texas are 1 and 2 and Baylor in Oklahoma State are right there fighting for that third spot. And I think Tech and Iowa State 
TCU are right there for that fourth spot. I mean, it's so far up in the air right now. I can't give you a definitive one, two, three, four, but I do think those teams are going to be vying for those uh, top spots in the Big 12. It's going to be interesting to see because Texas Tech, if if Bowman comes back, hopefully he can stay healthy. Well, if anything, we need to get back to where we win some big upsets. That's where we need to get back on the map. That's what Tech is known and for. We're known for that. Yeah. We were known to beat Oklahoma here and there. You know, OSU right now has been a pretty good matchup. And I'll go kind of back and forth, but we've done a good job against them. You know, Baylor, man, we, Baylor with this last year. You had him. You had him. We grabbed him. And, uh, it was that controversial call, it right? It was a yeah. controversial call. You know, we could, I could sit here and talk all day about that, but yeah, as, is, as a yeah. coach, as a coach, you cannot let it get to that point. Exactly, just like with the OU Kansas State game when it came down to that onside kick at the end. It was so controversial, and so many OU fans were so upset. Oh, it didn't touch him. It didn't touch him. We recovered it. We recovered it. It shouldn't come down to that. No. You, you can't. can't get behind, what was it, like 41 to 24 you know, in the fourth quarter and expect to come back and make it a game. At that point, you know, exactly, it, it's difficult. It's very difficult, especially with the defense at that time, which it has improved, but it was still shaky, man. That that defense, that game was giving up so many chunk plays. And, r- running backs, it was just awful. And then, we, you know, with Iowa State, Iowa State, they're, they're one of those contenders right now. That they Their, their football program in the last couple of years has gotten so much better. Uh, I know going to Ames, Iowa, it's a hard place to play. It's very, definitely, very, very hard. Definitely, place. it's kind of like Tech. You know, you go in there and you, it's fifty-fifty whether or not you're going to walk out of there with a victory, because the fans are so rabid. That's the thing; it affects the outcome of the game sometimes in those environments in Lubbock and in Ames. I, I've noticed that over the years, like you know, some of the best teams have went into Ames and gotten upset. And that that was it, two thousand. 11 Oklahoma State team that went in there, you know, ranked high, and they ended up getting their butts kicked. And then even they play well on the road, as you know, also. In 2017, when they went into Norman and beat Baker Mayfield and my Sooners, they really took it to us. Exactly. They're a scrappy team. Scrappy. And if Tech can get back to that scrappy, scrap, yeah. you know, hard nose, There's you no- know, finesse, they, they're very finesse, but they can be hard nose in the way that they play. And I feel like they're at their best whenever they've done that in the past. And I, if they can get back to that level, they can be really competitive in the Big 12. Exactly. And just kind of just say, hey, we got nothing to lose here. Go out there, perform, give it all you got. And then on top of that, go out there and put a butt whooping on somebody. Man, that just puts the cherry on the top. Exactly. And, and that's where we, uh, we got to get back to that point. Playing the underdog role for Tech is a big thing. And if they can incorporate that back into their mentality, I know they've got the new coach, Wells. And I think he's going to work out there. He's from a small town in Oklahoma, and he knows what that what being in a small, you know, high plains town like Lubbock is all about. I think he can bring a new resurgence to the type of culture that they need to be successful, you know? Yeah, and then kind of going back from there, going TCU, you know, this season they struggled. They struggled. It's kind of felt. I kind of felt like they lost an identity to themselves. I know, just the last couple of seasons, their pre rankings they were always up in the, at least the top fifteen. Starting off with the, the pre ranking system, and as the season progresses, they kind of fall out. But then the next season, they're back up at the top. Right. Right. I. I mean, I. I respect 
Coach Patterson. I really do. He he's been the longest coach in the Big Twelve. You know what I call him, and other people call him this too. Call him Sweaty Gary. Yes, yes. He, he always, is sweating yeah. profusely. Yeah, he always has that every towel game. On him. Yes. Sweaty Gary. But I mean, shoot, he even had a pretty good little uh, on the NFL draft. I think the first round he had at least two guys. Oh man, they always have you know players that are in the draft and drafted high, exactly. and, and surprisingly, he takes those two and three stars and and turns them into. Uh, bona fide studs, especially on the defensive side of the ball and the receivers. Rager going to the Eagles, it was huge. And, you know, they always seem to churn out talent. And that's a testament to a good coach, a good coaching staff. And TCU's always been able to assemble, you know, a, a pretty, you know, complex, devoted team of coaches who can really coach those players up and have them reach their full potential. Yes, and like I said, it, I want I, I like to get to see TCU back because I know the TCU and Tech game was always a very, very big rival game, and hopefully we can get it back this season and see it. I like to see TCU and Tech have another good games against each other. Right. These last couple of years that haven't been that great, and I know that both teams can get back to a high, high standard of playing. Man, those games should be amazing. All the time. I, I totally agree, man. That, that When TCU goes into Lubbock or, you know, Tech goes into Fort Worth, it's always a shootout. It's always a good game. What, last year it was um, it was a low-scoring game. Was that last year? It was like 14-7 to 7 or 17-14, to yes. 14, something like that. It was really close. Um, they're all, they always, you know, fight hard against each other. They, they play hard. They just do. There's a disdain, you know, from, you know, the high planes to – you know, the Metroplex over there in Fort Worth, it's just kind of like a, a really cool rivalry that's going on, and I like to see it intensify even more. I want to see Tech and TCU just continue to get better. And then also, you know, our West Virginians over there, the West, the Mountaineers, I, I, they took a deep, deep dive in, into that pool. I don't know what happened to them this season. I and I well, I, I think it starts can, with the coaching. I, yeah, I can losing. They did. They do have a new coach, and they they have. Last year, they had Austin Kendall, who was uh, one of our backups at, at Oklahoma, and he was he was very unproven. He had to sit behind, you know, Mayfield. He had to sit behind Kyler Murray, and he knew he wasn't going to start. So he transferred after Jalen Hurts enrolled on campus, you know, last spring. He transferred to West Virginia, and he really – he was so up and down. He you know, he was in a, thrown into a brand-new situation, a new program with a new head coach. And I think that had a lot to do with the success that they had. We'll see what happens moving forward. But West Virginia is one of those teams that can always jump out at you that, that has a solid, well-coached, disciplined team at times. And, and and to note, their 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 fan base is pretty crazy too, and it's a hard place to play is in it, Morgantown. Also, Morgantown's a very very hard place. Overall, Big Twelve football, Big Twelve football. This is a great, great conference to be in. You know, just watching this last season, there were, every conference game was a great game. Oh, they were very. Uh, all of them were very close. There was a lot of. There wasn't weren't very many blowouts. And even Kansas, you know, we got to give it up to Kansas, I, I man. I forgot about Kansas. With Les Miles, he's kind of turned that program into a, a program that 
has a little bit of hope looking forward, you know, more than their basketball program. Exactly. And I know a lot of people are like, well, when's basketball season going to start? <laughs> exactly. And, and that, you know, that's a slap to the face to that, to the football program. You know, you don't ever want that to happen. So I, I, I think Les Miles is going to go in. I bet he'll, he'll finish this next season, the 2020 season or 2021 spring season. He'll finish off. I would say a 500 record. If they can get to six wins, hey, bowl eligible, that would be even bigger. Yeah. I know, know back in the in the 2000s, whenever they made that big, big run. And, uh, and in 2007, it was really cool to see Kansas. They went all the way to the Orange Bowl and competed against Virginia Tech. And, man, they made a cool run that year. Yes, they did. It was very surprising. And – they they put together a historic season. You know they went twelve and one, seven and one in conference. They really proved to the nation. You know if you're a lower end power five team program with good coaching, good recruiting, anything can happen. And not so much having elite talent, but having the right coaches to coach those guys up and and develop them from two stars. And when they leave, hopefully they're a three or four star in your mind. You know. And I think Kansas did a very good job at that, uh, the coaching in the 2007 season. And, and there's no excuse why they can't get back to that point with a proven coach like Les Miles, who has a track record of putting talent in the right places to have elite teams. And he's done that. I mean, we saw it throughout his college career. And even his, he knows what he's doing. So you just got to give him time to develop. And I know sometimes – college programs want something done fast but with Kansas they should be able to give them time to really develop a program and and set they're gonna have to give him three to five years to get this thing buttoned down into a a competitive year-in year-out program and to get the type of talent that they need the type of recruits that they're looking for and I think it's totally uh, feasible for that to happen for Kansas they've proven in the past that hey you can't take them lightly because they'll sneak up and, and they can beat you just like they almost did last year against Texas. You know, Texas had a drive, had a late game drive to go down there and kick a game winning field goal to beat Kansas. And they were honoring one of their uh, national cha- their 1960 national championship teams that night. And could you imagine that happening to your, your beloved program? You know, you have this special night and you're playing Kansas, a team you expect to just annihilate and you have to go down with less than a minute and kick a game-winning field goal. I mean, it's embarrassing. Can Texas step it up? But moving on to how we feel about the upcoming season and who we think the the dark horses will be in the Big 12, you know. I'll go ahead and, and say I think Oklahoma State Cowboys are a dark horse who could be, you know, not a national title contender, but I think that they – can very much compete for the Big 12 championship. Maybe this is the year that they overtake Oklahoma and Texas and get to that first spot. What do you think? My dark my dark horse is always the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And the reason why I say that is because we've always been the dark horse. Right. And I, I, I'm going to give it the second season to Matt Wells – because he needs to get out of the shadow that he's not Cliff Kingsbury. This is his new this is his team. He's he has his own program. He has his own offense. 
we have to be able to go ahead and just say, hey, we have to move on. And I think now with the second season coming on, these players are going to buy into it. They're going to fully understand how to play the system. I mean, if you look what he did at Utah State, he did a great job at turning that program around. Right. And you, he did it within five years. You say, you know, you, you mentioned this, the second season of a coach, you know, being with a program. Sometimes that second season can turn into magic. We've seen it happen over and over again. Oh, yeah. Look at Bob Stoops when he turn, he took over Oklahoma. You know, the second year he was there, they win a national title. I'm not saying Tech can, can actually do that, you know, next year, but they have the potential to rise above what they've been pushing out the past few years is mediocrity. I think they they could be a dark horse because they've got the recipe for success. I think they need they need a quarterback who's healthy. Jet Duffy's just not going to cut it at quarterback at this point. If Alan Bowman can can you know stay healthy throughout the season and not retire because of injury, I think that they legitimately have a good chance to be a dark horse in the Big Twelve. And it's it's just it it's just remain yet to be seen. But I think. I, I pick them every year to be my dark horse, just about. I don't know if they can do it in the second year of Matt Wells. Maybe they can. But I just think Oklahoma State has a better roster, a better chance at this point. Absolutely. And, uh, and I like that pick, too, that you picked. I'm not going to disagree with that. Oklahoma State, what they used to have in a long, long time. But I think now they're ready for that next They are. Step. And, you know, Chuba Hubbard's coming back. Hey, Leading NCAA rusher, you know, him and Jonathan Taylor had had a battle there for a while. He's an elite running back. And he's coming back. And Spencer Sanders, he's got a year under his belt. He's a, a dual-threat type of quarterback. He was a young pup last year. They threw him in. And, he, you know, he had his, his moments where he was very efficient. But I think with this second year being at Oklahoma State, this could be a year that's that's pretty special for them. However, on the other hand, you know, I could see Tech – having a special year as well. We'll just have to see how healthy their quarterback situation is. Who do they have behind Alan Bowman at this point? Because I, I heard that Jet Duffy had transferred. Is that right? Yes, Duffy has transferred. Yeah, Jet Duffy, the thing about him, he did transfer out. He tried to go to Tulane first, uh, but he got denied there. And then he tried to go to Central Michigan, but something, he messed with some Title Nine stuff yeah. and he also got denied from that some sec i think it was in sexually assault assault type allegation that was going on that he was facing but yeah so yeah it's pretty it's gonna sad. be it's gonna be hard for him to go anywhere at this point exactly with so. that hovering over over his head so i mean we'll see where he ends up but the dark horses are remain to be proven and we'll see what happens throughout the the duration of this season you know we're speaking as if there will be a season. We're hopeful that there will be, but there is a realistic chance that this season could be pushed back. And if it is, it is. I think it's going to be a great season regardless when the season actually starts. I'm excited to see the Big 12 get back on the on the field and running. We've got a lot of teams who I feel like are ready to go. They've got fresh new blood. Recruiting has gone well for a lot of teams. It's going to be exciting to watch. Yes, I'm ready to see the Big 12 just be able to get competitive. But not just competitive. I want to see them on the big stage get in the top four and make a run at a national title. Right. And that's where we need to be. We are too good of a conference not to have somebody in that top four and not be able to win a national title. 
Exactly. And I know that we're playing the SEC and the ACC, but we have the best players overall in this nation. And Bold statement. I, hey, I got you back on that one. Brother. And I really, like I said, I, I love watching Big 12 football. I love it all the time because you never know what's going to happen that Saturday. You never know. I know that many teams, I mean, you can kind of collaborate with what's going to happen with LSU playing such and such or Alabama playing such and such. You know what's going to happen. The only time they lose is if they have a terrible game. But that doesn't really happen. Right. So. I, f- I feel like, yeah, I mean, the Big 12 c- can compete with anybody anybody around. However, I do think as far as talent goes on the defensive side of the ball, we've still got a ways to go to compete with teams like Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Clemson. I think that we're re- trending in the right direction with the type of talent that's out there. If we can just get over the hump and win a playoff game, whether it be Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, whoever it may be from the Big 12, if, 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 if we can just get in there and win and put a, a complete game together and prove to the nation, hey, we're here. We may have been here in the past, but we're ready to, to take this thing to the next level. If we can do that, man, we'll get the respect that we deserve. But at this point, we just, we're not just gonna, we're not going to get it until we take that and earn that respect. And I, I think that uh, the conference as a whole is capable of doing that. It's just got we just got to put it all together and get these defensive recruits and build build these teams into an elite powerhouse that can compete, you know, against these SEC squads. Absolutely. And I, I do want to note that even in the draft, you know, 15 of the 33 players that were selected in the first round were from the SEC. So that just goes to show, like, how strong the SEC is overall – we do have a little bit of uh, of an advantage, you know, offensively. But over time, hopefully everything evens evens out again because I'm ready to see the Big 12 back on top. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait and see what's going to happen, hopefully, this upcoming season. Exactly. Well, guys, we're going to wrap up the locker room hype. I hope you enjoyed Aaron and I bringing you current sports and Big 12 talk. We're excited to bring you content each and every week. Hopefully we'll be able to bring at least two to three podcasts every week to you. And if you have any type of input or if you want to be on the show, just email us at bombcity.lockerroomtalk at gmail.com. We'll get back to you. And thanks for listening.